Hello, everyone, and welcome to the leadership show called My Great Aunt Edna, the leadership show that focuses on excellence, doing things the right way, no shortcuts, and accountability. I'm your host, Mac McNeil, and today our special guest is Satish Sandarabhajan. Satish is the Executive Vice President of Global Sales for India, one of the fastest growing software companies in India and Southeast Asia. Satish will talk about how his leadership style of doing things the right way and focusing on the spirit of excellence works across multiple international boundaries. Enough said. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show called My Great Aunt Edna, a leadership show that focuses on excellence, doing things the right way, no shortcuts, and accountability. I'm your host, Mac McNeil, and today I have a special guest who is coming all the way from India. He actually lives in New Jersey, but he's originally from India, uh, a high-power executive with a, uh, one of the fastest-rising software companies in the world. So I want to tell you a little bit about our guest today. Um, his name is Satish Sandarawajan. And as I said, Satish is from Chennai, India. He currently heads sales and North American operations for Indium, a fast-growing technology consulting company. He is a highly collaborative leader and a passionate customer advocate with a strong track record in nurturing high-performance teams who have excelled in customer acquisition and revenue growth. Prior to Indium, Satish has spent close to 20 years and various leadership roles in large global consulting organizations like Cognizant, WePro, and LTI. Besides a passion for making technology work for his customers and building teams, his personal interests include golf and travel. And Satish is a father of two adorable girls and lives in the central New Jersey area. And so with that, I say, Satish, welcome to the show. Thank you for being a guest, sir. Absolutely. I've loved your show so far. I've added uh, a follower and I'm glad to be here talking to you today. Thank you, sir. So um, I'd like to also turn it over to you. Just tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, who you are as an individual, a leader, you know, what's going on in your organization. Uh, no, thanks for that, right? So it's, uh, I consider myself more of a people person and a technologist, right? So that's how I see myself, right? So First, I like to talk to people, interact with people, right? Uh, I'm always energized when I'm in a larger group of people, exchanging ideas, and then technology, right? So I started, I actually started very young when I started learning programming, right? Um, I think I was my eighth grade, ninth grade in India during those times, which was a really early stages, right? So I've always been fascinated by technology from that point onwards, and I always look at ways of applying it to make uh, businesses and lives better, right? So that's how I kind of grew up. So that's the two things that define me, right? I, I enjoy people, enjoy working with people, meeting people, and then I love to explore technology and see how it's the best way to apply them right? and make them work. So I love that description of yourself because I can attest to that. So if you guys didn't catch it, he started out, he said that he's a people person. And so I had the opportunity to go to India last September to interact with his team over at Indium Software. And I can tell you personally that he is a people person. Like it just jumps out of him. Uh, 
you know, we had the opportunity to socially engage with each other and then also in the work environment. And he's absolutely a people person. So very good description of yourself, sir. Yeah. Thanks, so, uh, thanks Matt. Yeah. What I want to do now is uh, I want to jump right into some of the formal questions that we have, you know, find out who you are as a leader and provide some of the leadership nuggets of wisdom. So I'm going to start out with, you know, you've been in leadership for quite a while. So can you remember and describe the moment that you knew you were a leader? I know you talked about what you did in, you know, the eighth grade in technology, but yeah. when did you actually know that you were a leader? Um, it's a very interesting question, Mac, right? Uh, I actually, I was thinking about it for a while, right? So um, I don't know if there's a specific moment, right? But I can say, like, this was when I was, I moved out of my home into a college, right? Started living on my own. And then I realized that people were coming to me for both, I think, my peers, some of my colleagues at school, even some of the uh, teachers at school, they were coming to me with certain problems. And I've always been very quite calm, right, when there's a crisis. And I always think straight at that point. I don't try to take shortcuts. That's, I think, I love one of those things that you see, right? I don't love taking shortcuts. I like to do the things the right way. So people actually come to me. And I try to solve their problem for them or give them some kind of a guidance, that kind of guru, right? And then I think that's the time, right? My Maybe my second year in college uh, probably is when I kind of really say this is something that I really like, right? I understanding what people are going through and how can I help them, right? And that kind of became the, uh, I think, the stage when I really kind of become the leadership, or at least realize that I have the potential to lead people. I can absolutely see that you're a people magnet and, you know, in college, you know, people are getting out and learning themselves and things like that. So I can absolutely see that happening with you. Uh, my next question is you travel internationally often in your current role and you interact with leaders on multiple continents. So what are some of the major differences in leadership that you've noticed and what are some of the commonalities regardless of the continent? Uh, let me start with the commonalities, right? So most people today, uh, they have a vision, like most leaders, right? So they really want to achieve something in their life, right? So they have that vision, right? And more importantly, they start thinking of more, not just about themselves, but about the teams and their organizations and how they can actually help their organizations achieve some goals or their team members achieve some goals, right? And how they can make the lives of people better, right? I think that's one commonality I've seen across a lot of the leaders, right? They really want to help, right? And they really want to make the world a better place, right? Uh, the difference I have seen is like, I deal with a lot of leaders in the US and also a lot of leader, leaders in Asia, right? And I've also dealt with people uh, between Europe and Latin America as well, right? I have seen from leaders in the US a lot more straight shooting, right? You get to hear from them, yeah. hey, whether they like something, you get to hear. Whether they don't like something, you get to hear, right? And you can really, you know, right? When it goes to Asia and some of those Eastern cultures, right? People are very more diplomatic, right? They don't tell to your face that, hey, this is what this is a story, right? Yeah. You have to read the body language a lot more, right? You have to read between the lines a lot more to really understand that, hey, hey this is what they're trying to tell you, right? I am not telling you exactly the same thing, right? So that. And I think also here, I see leaders are also being a lot more independent, right? They take their own decisions, then they try to drive their organization towards that. But some, and I think in Europe and uh, some of the Asian countries, it's more like 
trying to build that consensus within the team, right? Here, it's more like, okay, I, I'm responsible for it. The buck stops with me, so I'll make the decision. And then I try to convince, they try to convince the organization, but they've already made up their mind. In the other countries, it's more like, hey, I'll try to drive a consensus across the team. And I try to adapt to that as well, because uh, in my old organization, a lot of my team was actually in the US based, uh, based in the US and um, some of them in Europe. But my current team is predominantly in India, as you know, right? So, and I try to help build consensus within the team because then it, I see it's, people adapt to it more, they buy into it, rather than me telling them, hey, this is the way to do it and go do it, right? So then it becomes more of an issue. So that culturally, I try to have made a shift when, when I moved into India and as being more geography, most of the leaderships being in India. So I want to move and try to build that uh, consensus within the organization and make sure that they are all buying into some of other decisions I'm making. That's a big juggling act. I mean, and you you move around quite a bit. I already know that. So which one do you find more comfortable, you know, for you personally, like, you know, the U.S. approach or, you know, the Asian approach or the Latin approach? Which one do you find more comfortable and why? Um, I think I I have been here for almost 20 plus years now, right? So I find the the approach here, right? I, I tell you what I feel like. I'm the leader, right? Um, and again, obviously, I, I'm more open to thought, right? You can basically tell me if you don't agree with me, we, uh, and and that's fine, right? We can argue about it, come come to a consensus. But end of the day, I make the decision, right? I'm more comfortable with it having been here, but. Again, I have straight up uh, also learned that that doesn't exactly work when uh, with some of the other cultures. So you have to just make it work for them as well. As a leader, that's upon you to make sure you are bringing your team along rather than uh, uh, basically uh, what do you say, uh, trying to adapt them to your style rather than uh, kind of finding a uh, midway point between both of us. No, really good answer on that one. And so my next question is: <laughs> Have you ever had moments? Where you regret it being in leadership? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a regret, but sometimes I feel a pang of guilt, right? Because I, I feel I work with these people some days. Sometimes I have to give them the bad news or some some really hard feedback, right? Uh, that sometimes I so see that they're they're not uh, performing up to my expectations, even though I work with them. I actually treat them as like. Uh, any other colleague, right? I hang out with them, and uh, we have we actually know each other very well. Sometimes I have to take the that role and say, "Hey, what you are doing is probably not the right thing. Maybe you have to do some course corrections." And sometimes when I, I I can get a little bit more what do you say uh, straight shooting at that point, right? So that, <laughs> but I feel a pang of guilt. I don't know if it's a regret. Right? I wouldn't put it that way, but I feel like okay, is there a better? I always think in the back of my mind is a better way for me to communicate this to my team. But sometimes I feel like I have to come out and say certain things. And in the long run, it helps them. Maybe that particular day, they don't feel good about it. But in the long run, that helps them. No, and I can understand. That's a good word, you know, guilt. You know, we go through that a lot as leaders. Uh, you yeah. know, everything is not rosy. You know, plans don't always work out. And, and that's a good word to use. You know, you feel that guilt sometimes, but you still have to move forward. So, yeah, thoughtful answer there. All right, so my next question for you is, so my grade on that, and it says accountability is a key ingredient in creating a leadership culture of excellence. And how has accountability played into the role of the success of your current team? Oh, that's a great question. 
right? Um, and um, I've actually managed uh, last 15 years. I've been I've been part of sales teams. I'll manage sales teams, right? And sometimes it happens that I've ma I, my team has people who are more experienced than me. Okay, um, and we are also geographically spread, right? I've never had a team that is anywhere close, like 50 miles of me, okay? It's always geographically spread teams, right? But they're all mostly senior leaders in the organization, right? So it is absolutely essential for uh, my, uh, whatever, right? The culture, especially in a sales team to understand that each leader carries their own accountability, right? My, uh, you, you don't expect somebody to come and sit on top of you to monitor what you're doing right every day, give you constant feedback okay you we all have our own targets we do need to run through it and we need to take accountability to achieve our targets that's the only way most high performing sales teams work right yeah. and i've seen that a lot with indium right we have actually grown probably uh, you i think i told you this uh we have actually more than doubled our size uh, in the last 18 months and that doesn't happen with not just the sales team right the uh, recruitment teams the delivery team taking that accountability and making on upon themselves and making sure that hey, hey i'm trying to do the best for the organization and the customer and that is i think even in your own personal case you would have seen right uh, we i don't actually in, uh, involve myself a lot with what some the team members that are working with you do but they basically taken upon themselves to make sure that they are doing a really good job and taking that accountability right so that has become, that's probably one reason, right? All, every individual taking that accountability and working towards that has actually helped us be the high-performing organization today that we are. Yeah, great, great answer on that one as well. Uh, and if I remember correctly, you were already over 2,000 employees and that was back in September or something like that. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, so I, I'll give you the data point, right? When I joined this organization 18 months back, we were 1,300 people. Yeah. Uh, today we just crossed 3,000, right? At this this last December. Okay. Yeah. So right. just since since I was in India. Yeah. 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 I think when you were in India, we were like 2,400 or something, probably. Right. That's probably oh. the number if I remember right. Right in September. So yeah, we have added like 300, 400 people in the last five, six months. So. So before I get to my last question, and I know you guys are adding business lines. So what are some of the new business lines that you've added? I know that it was gaming the last time I was there and then some some other things. So so where are we at right now? So, uh, yeah, we've, uh, what do you say? Uh, we are looking into Web3.0, right? Uh, so we are going to add a business line that's going to be focused on Web3.0 technologies, right? I think the, the adoption of Web3.0 is coming down the pipe and we are getting ourselves ready. Uh, gaming has been part of the Indian culture, but we have actually gone into game development, right? So earlier we were more the testing space of it. Uh, now we are actually developing games for some of our customers, right? Even though they have the idea, we build the games and uh, basically just like any other software product that we are building, we are building games right now. And that's another uh, one that we are doing. So those two uh, uh, we have uh, added. Uh, the other area that I think is probably going to explode is the low code portion of things, right? So we've yeah. uh, we've we've been working with one particular platform on low code for a long while, but now we are expanding into other platforms as well, right? And that's another area of expansion that we are looking to uh, probably invest a lot in over the next few years. Yeah, all exciting stuff, and yeah. you know, as I said at the beginning, extremely fast-growing, um, exciting company, 
And if I remember correctly, one of the stats uh, when I was in India that came out was that it's one of the fastest growing companies, or was it number one in the in the in the world or something like that in a particular software platform? I can't remember the exact stat, yes. but it's something that's shocked. Yeah, actually, we were uh, rated number one for data engineering, right? So uh, okay. that's the one probably you remember. I think that that report came in at the time. So uh, on our data engineering skills, which is pretty much what the kind of work that we do at CRF as well is basically building your data warehouse and doing the engineering around all of those. So that's the, our fastest growing, this one and we got rated as like the fastest growing company in that particular space. Oh, well, thank you for that clarification. Yeah. All right, now, so back to you and your leadership. And this yes. is my staple question that I yes. always ask. Mm -hmm. um, as a leader in today's environment, mm -hmm. What are one or two things that pisses you off that you wish that you could change? Yeah, so there are two, two or three things I really think. Right, one is this whole remote working. Right, uh, again, uh, I know a lot of people love it. Right, I can see the benefits of it, but for me, sometimes it pisses me off. Right, so uh, like yeah, I want to read somebody, that person is not there. Right, as much as we can explain things over a video call, sometimes. They don't get it, right? So it's kind of difficult to explain, right? But then setting that aside, I think that's a larger thing. So some of the things I, I actually tell my team as well, and sometimes I get very uh, immediately upset is these two things. One is people coming into meetings with a closed mind, right? A lot of things change today, and we are reinventing. And the technology said a lot of things are being reinvented. Newer technologies are being introduced. Sometimes people come with a close mind saying, this is how we have to do things, right? Because I did it like this five years back or two years back and it worked for me, right? Uh, today, the way that things are moving in the world, you need to be open to newer ideas and at least you consider them on their merit before outright rejecting them. So when I see people coming into meeting with closed mindsets and not really being open to newer ideas and not like being open to learning new things, that actually pisses me off. And I wish some people would change it, but Again, I, I think it comes down to the individual themselves, right? So some of them are more open, even though they have more experience. I've seen some people come in and say, hey, this has worked for me. Why should I change, right? So I think that's one thing. The second thing, again, come back comes back to the remote work and all the video calls, right? People believe when they're on video calls, they can multitask, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that pisses me off. I can really see whether they are concentrating on what you are doing, are they actually on their phones or trying to do something else and just being present on the video or switching off videos in between critical calls when we are all trying to solve a problem, they believe that's something else. So my sense is, uh, again, I believe strongly that you can only do one thing at a time properly, right? If you're trying to do 10 things at the same time, you're probably not doing none of them really well. So again, that's another thing that really pisses me off is when I'm in meetings or when I'm even in remote meetings, right? And I have seen that grow with the remote meetings, right? At least in person, you have their attention, but when you are on these video calls, people kind of switch off and they're trying to do something else, answer a phone call or uh, type a quick message. That kind of throws me off sometimes. And I want to yell at them, but I try to <laughs> control myself. Right. <laughs> I have to admit that on that last one, um, I have been guilty of that, the multitasking, but I, I, I have a trick that I, I did. So in my office, I have toys. They're all sports toys. So I have a football, I have a small basketball, um, I have a bat, a um, couple other things. But I actually picked these up 
and I will hold it like near my face or something while I'm on a call because okay. it keeps my hands occupied. Okay. And so I'm in meetings sometimes, no joke, and ask my team, and I have a bat on my shoulder. But they all get it now. Even my, you know, my leaders, they get it, like why I'm doing this. And so it forces me to stay focused. But it's a trick. You're right that in, in that virtual environment, it's so easy to get distracted, especially if people are not on camera. Like yeah. that's even worse. Yeah. But yeah, I can see where that would piss you off. Good. Most definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to take that idea and share it with some of my people. <laughs> some of my people I know. <laughs> like, hey, I, from now on, you're holding a bat or a ball. <laughs> yeah, that's a, seriously, I do that, but there's a reason behind it. Yeah. To be honest, I, I've probably been guilty of a couple of times, right? Somebody calls me, I pick up a phone, especially if there's a long running meeting, but I try to avoid it as much as possible. And I wish some other people also do that very seriously, right? So, yeah. No. All right. No, appreciate you sharing that and being honest about that. And mm -hmm. so um, I want to turn it over to you a little bit. You know, if you have any closing words, any thoughts, you know, anything you want to say about leadership, your own approach. Any suggestions for the the listeners out there? Yeah, so um, I think uh, one of the things I actually try to be when I'm a leader is be very fair, right, and empathetic, okay, right? Um, I work a certain way, right, but I don't expect a lot of my teams to do the same thing, right? That's the kind of hours I keep, I know a lot of people cannot, okay. So I actually try to be fair and empathetic, understand what they are going through, right? And I've had instances in the past when my when people that I were I was reporting into where my leaders didn't have that empathy, right? They thought, okay, hey, I'm spending 16 hours in office, so I expect you to spend 17 hours in office, right? So that culture is something that um, I don't know. Today's world, it's going to work with the millennials and the Gen Zs working, but I think you. Generally being that, I think uh, if you are empathetic, you will listen to your teams and try to help them out as much as possible, whether it is professional stuff or personal stuff, you get the best out of them, right? I think people, they're trying to gravitate towards you a lot more and trying to want to work for you a lot more than you being just a, what do you say, boss trying to tell them what to do rather than trying to understand what their problems are. So that's something that I try to do. Second. So other one, other than also, I try to be fair to them as well, right? I, I can understand they're going through their own stuff and sometimes it's, doesn't, we have to give them a little bit of space and little bit of uh, understanding there and they'll eventually come back and do a better job for you. So that's something that I've been trying to learn to recently and I've been trying to practice. And I think that has worked really well for me. This is really important in there. You mentioned empathy and a lot of people, you know, equate empathy at work. As you mentioned, you know, 16 hours, 17 hours, but you said something about their personal life. And I think that's a differentiator between a good leader and a great leader is that you you thought about it, not only thought about it, but you interact with them in their personal life to understand what they're going through and how it may impact work. So I'm, I'm really happy that you said that, because in my mind, that's a true differentiator between just somebody that's a good leader that only cares about what you're doing at work but somebody who's a great leader who cares about your entire person. So uh, great statement. Appreciate you pulling that out. Thank you. Yeah. And so with that, Satish, you know, I'm not going to hold you, but I want to tell everybody watching, do not hit the stop button. Um, we're going to put the Satish's information up on the screen for you guys. Um, Satish has, like I said, 20 plus years of leadership experience. He travels all over the world, multiple cultures, multiple continents. Um, so he has varying opinions that you guys could utilize. So 
you know, reach out to, to Satish. And also, I'm going to personally vouch for Indium, the organization that um, he works for right now. He's uh, one of the executive leaders for the organization. Um, I personally use them in the uh, operations that I run. Uh, we've redone our entire data architecture, and Indium has been a great partner. I've gone over to India to meet the team. They're really engaged, very smart, very personable. So again, um, you know, make sure you guys reach out to Satish and find out, um, you know, how they do this, how they've grown so quickly. Um, and so with that, um, I tell everyone, thank you for watching this episode of my great Aunt Edna. You know, may your week be excellent. May your week be great. And God bless. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me over. Thank you for watching today's episode of My Great Aunt Edna with Satish Sandararajan. As you can see, he's a very experienced leader. You can reach out to Satish right now. His information is up on the screen and find out how his team at Indium can help your organization grow in a faster and more efficient way. And also, I'd like to remind you that my book called My Great Aunt Edna, The Golden Girl of Leadership is available right now wherever books are sold. So go get your copy. And lastly, make sure you subscribe to this channel so that you can hear from other great leaders from all around the world who can help you in your own leadership journey. And with that, I say thank you. May your week be excellent and God bless.